Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Wrestling from the Crowd. My name is Ray, and this is episode 13. I hope you guys are enjoying this podcast and all the work that I put into it. You know, I hope you guys are also staying safe out there through these times. Also, when I post this podcast, it's going to be Thanksgiving weekend. So happy Thanksgiving to all. I hope you all enjoyed it. And, you know, I hope that, you know, you've been watching a lot of wrestling because I know I have. Like always, if you want to reach me, you can reach me on Twitter at Wrestling From or on Facebook at Ray Colazzo. That way I can talk to you, answer all your questions, and eventually I'm going to be having guests on the show. So if you want to be a guest on this podcast, let me know. If you know a lot about wrestling, if you're truly passionate about wrestling as I am and very unbiased, you know, you're not really on a side, you know, you'll be able to be on this podcast because that's what it is. We don't choose sides here. We cover everything, whether it be good, whether it be bad, no matter if it's WWE, New Japan, AEW, it doesn't matter what show it is we're not biased towards anything we give our honest opinions here and whether they're good or bad like you know i can tell you when some aw episodes are terrible i can tell you when some raw episodes are good and a lot of people fail to realize there are some good raw episodes and there are some really bad smackdown episodes so eventually i will be having people on the show so just throw your name in the hat and maybe i'll pick you on you could be on this episode now we're gonna start this podcast like we always started we're gonna start off with monday night raw this week's raw kicked off with with Adam Pierce giving the Raw Men's Survivor Series team a chance to plead on why they should be next in line for a WWE Championship match. We see Sheamus says he was the MVP, then Styles disagrees and says he was the team captain, he led the team, then Lee says he technically saved AJ, then pinned the actual SmackDown team captain, which was Jay Uso. Then Riddle calls everyone their codename and AJ says he hates them. Riddle says then he wants to face Drew so that way he can get a cool sword. And then Adam says, and last but not least, Braun Strowman. And then Strowman says, what do you mean, last? Then he grabs Adam Pierce and he starts shouting at him and saying all these things to him. And then he delivers a vicious headbutt taking out Adam Pierce. Then all of Team Raw just step in front of Braun Strowman like, hey, what are you doing? This is not what you're supposed to do. So I'm sure there's going to be some really big repercussions for Braun Strowman's actions tonight. Also, who will Adam Pierce choose? Will he choose any of these men on Team SmackDown? Will all these men get an opportunity at some point? We'll just have to wait to see how it plays out the rest of the night. We then head backstage where we see the Hurt Business run to the New Day. Then MVP says that they're an embarrassment for Raw. Then Shelton says he deserves to make those titles prestigious. And Alexander comes in and says he hates sitting on the sidelines. Then Cedric says they're going to defend those Raw Tag Team Championships tonight and he's not asking. And then Woods, you know, talks to Kofi a little bit and then he agrees. So tonight we will have Hurt Business versus the New Day for the Raw Tag Team Championship. Alexander also mentioned he wanted the spotlight on him. That's kind of the reason why he join their business to get more in that spotlight so i would like to see the spotlight more on cedric alexander as well he should hold the championship now we move on to that match the hurt business versus the new day for the raw tag team championship we see shelton benjamin in control early of woods we see woods trying to build some momentum but eats a big boot from shelton who then knocks kofi kingston off of the apron with the knee we then see kofi get the hot tag to turn the tide then kofi goes to the top while the ref checked on benjamin cedric pulled him off and then shelton attacked Kofi on the outside. Then it ends in a countout and then the ref say that the Hurt Business got the win and then the New Day tries to exit. We hear MVP then say we're not going to end it like that. Restart the match and then the New Day think about it and then they accept the restart. We see Shelton Benjamin launch Kofi over the ropes and Kofi went high and landed awkwardly on his leg. We then see the Hurt Business target that leg of Kofi and then they maintain frequent tags to keep Kofi at bay. We see Kofi finally build some momentum by taking out Shelton and Cedric. Then he tries 
tries to make the tag to Xavier Woods, but Cedric pulls Woods off of the apron, preventing it, and then the assault continues. We see Kofi finally make the hot tag late match to Xavier Woods, but the momentum is cut short by Cedric. Then he goes for the pin, but Kofi breaks it up. Kofi then takes out Cedric. Then Wood rolls up Shelton for the pin. So the New Day retain. I didn't think they were going to retain at all, but they ended up retaining anyway. Now, the, the focal point of this, this spot that I want to talk about was Cedric Alexander just staring a hole through Shelton Benjamin. What does that mean for the Hurt Business? Is he soon going to get so tired of Shelton Benjamin costing him that spotlight that he's going to turn on Shelton or the Hurt Business might kick him out? So it's pretty interesting to see where this storyline heads. Now we head backstage where Adam Pierce is being interviewed after coming out of that medical facility after Braun Strowman delivered that headbutt. He said if it was up to him, Braun Strowman would be fired. Then they asked who's next and Bobby comes and says before you choose, we need to talk business. Then he states he was the only Raw champion to win that Survivor Series. Then we see Adam and Bobby have a conversation. After that, we come back from commercial break and Adam Pierce seems to have made a decision and then we see Randy Orton approach out of nowhere and says, we need to talk. So who's next for that WWE Championship? I see a lot of guys stay in their case. Do we really want to see Randy Orton versus Drew McIntyre once again or do we want to see something new? We then shift over to another small interview with Lana. She says she feels like she's in a dream and she hopes nobody wakes her up. She was the sole survivor for Team Raw so I feel like, you know, she feels like she's on top of the world and if she feels like that, who am I to knock her off that pedestal? We then head back to Adam Pearce where he says he will have a series of matches to determine a number one contender. So he'll have three singles matches tonight for the triple threat match next week. So the first match we'll go to is Matt Riddle versus Sheamus. We see Riddle and Sheamus exchange words then the fight begins with holds from both men. We see Riddle try to build some momentum but Sheamus stops it. It was a back and forth contest till Sheamus knocks Riddle to the outside. Then he tries to hit a knee but Riddle dodges then suplexes Sheamus on the outside. Then Riddle was in control but Sheamus had an answer for all of Riddle's offense and it was back and forth once again. We see Sheamus in control when back from break. Riddle then hits a final flash knee then goes to the top rope. Sheamus gets up to battle him at the top and then hits an avalanche white noise for a near fall. Then Sheamus goes for the brogue and Riddle just collapses. The end match was Sheamus locks on a cloverleaf. Riddle then turns it into a roll up to advance the next week's triple threat. So by my standing it's 1-1. Matt Riddle lost to Sheamus to qualify for Team Raw and now Matt Riddle beats Sheamus to join that triple threat match next week for a WWE Championship opportunity. So I'm pretty sure at some point this rivalry will continue. Now we head backstage where Asuka runs into Lana and asks her if she wants a title shot. Lana says no and then Asuka says she likes the challenge and then gives her a title shot. So tonight we will see Asuka versus Lana for that women's championship. Her night just got even better. You know, she felt like she was in a dream before. Now she's really dreaming. We then head to a Firefly Funhouse segment. Today's episode is about friendship. Then Wyatt says friends are no good. Then remembers Randy Orton burning his house down. Then out of nowhere we get a new Firefly Funhouse character. The Friendship Frog. The Friendship Frog says Alexa shouldn't just let Nikki Cross just hop away from her life. Then Sister Abigail says, excuse my language, who the fuck is that? Wyatt then tells Alexa to show Friendship Frog what you will do to Nikki. Then Alexa asks for help and then Bray Wyatt places his hands over her face and transform her. She then smashes the frog with a mallet and then they have a video tribute for the Friendship Frog. And I thought that was pretty funny because they just killed this person. Now they have a whole tribute video and they're so sad. So tonight's episode is about friendship. We know Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross have some, some little feud right now because Nikki Cross is trying to save her. And Nikki Cross will get that opportunity tonight because we will have Alexa Bliss versus Nikki Cross later. So let's see if Nikki Cross can snap Alexa Bliss out of this 
trance from the fiend now we move on to the next match which is oscar versus lana for the raw women's championship then at the start of the match we see nia jackson Shayna baszler come out then the match begins we see oscar get immediately tossed to the outside and then she starts to taunt nia and Shayna, and then tosses water on the both of them we then see nia and Shayna attack oscar then they were gonna put oscar through a table and lana makes the save then they run but nia and Shayna challenge them to a match so now we have ourselves an impromptu tag team match between Nia and Shayna versus Asuka and Lana. We see Nia in control of Lana early. Then Shayna Baszler gets in to hold that control. We've seen frequent tags from Nia and Baszler. They've been working so good as a tag team together. I think they belong together now. Before I wouldn't agree with this, but now I do. We see Lana try to mount some offense, but Nia shuts it down quickly. Then she tags in Baszler. Then we see Lana fight off Baszler to tag in Asuka who comes in hot. Then later on, we see Baszler get the upper hand on Asuka. Then she was going to tag Lana, but Nia pulled her off. Then she was going to put her through the announce table, but Lana fought her off. Then Nia charges at Lana, who then dodges, sending Nia over the announce table. Then Baszler tries to choke out Lana, and then Asuka rolls her up while she's distracted for the win. So we see Asuka and Lana pick up the win. Lana is having a really good week so far. Soul Survivor, Championship match, and now she has a win over Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler. We head backstage where Matt Riddle runs into MVP, and he's talking all these ideas. He's trying to pitch. He's trying to make some money with MVP. He also pitches him a yogurt pizza idea to MVP. And MVP is like, you know what? We'll, we'll talk about this eventually. We don't got to talk about this now. Then we'll make some money and do some business eventually. Just not now. And then he says that we don't like your business. We're going to handle our business. Meaning that the Hurt Business is clearly going to get involved and try to attack Matt Riddle. I thought this segment was pretty funny to have MVP and Matt Riddle interact. You know, Matt Riddle's more like a dopey character. Like he's high all the time. And MVP's a businessman. He talks with like some gusto. So these two together were pretty funny. I'm pretty sure we're going to get to see them a little more eventually you know he's probably gonna pitch some more ideas they're probably gonna play with that just a little bit now we move on to the next match which is Keith Lee versus Bobby Lashley for the first time ever these two men face off these two behemoths and it was a pretty good match between these two men we see a fast-paced start then Bobby Lashley holds Lee in a headlock for quite some time Lee then gets out to go on the attack with some strong strikes Lashley goes for the hurt lock but Lee fights it off knocking Bobby to the outside then Lee was distracted going for a tope but MVP causes a distraction. Then Lee is in pursuit and then Bobby hits him with a clothesline which staggers Keith Lee. Then he throws him onto the barricade. Bobby Lashley then goes back in the ring to break the count and then he goes back into the outside. He lifts up Keith Lee and tries to throw him into the ring post but Bobby ends up collapsing before he can even hit the move with Keith Lee. He then crashes face first into the ring post but Lee still sells it. So this was a scary moment because I thought he was just, you know, gonna just throw him into it. No, he ends up running and he trips with Keith Lee and he goes face first. Now, people don't notice it, but you can tell that he didn't get Keith Lee at all, but Keith Lee still sold that move for him. So that was pretty scary. That botch could have went many different ways. But back to the action. We see Bobby in control went back from break, and now we notice that Bobby Lashley is busted open from hitting his face onto that pulse. We see Keith Lee try to build up some momentum, but Bobby shuts it down. Then he does a suplex onto Keith Lee, which was pretty impressive for him to hold him up like that. The end match was Lee builds up some momentum. Then the fight spills to the outside where Keith Lee hits a crossbody. Then when he tosses Bobby back into the ring, MVP tosses him into the ring post. We see Lee slide back in the ring and Lashley tries to lock on that hurt lock, but Lee breaks it and then Bobby puts him in a sleeper. Lee ends up dropping him while he's on his back and then MVP comes in and starts to attack Lee, costing him a spot at next week's triple threat match. So I get it, MVP was trying to protect his investment. He was trying to make sure Bobby Lashley wasn't pinned or submitted and he ended up costing Bobby the match in the process. So I don't know 
how that's going to affect Bobby Lashley and MVP's relationship, but the Hurt Business storyline is going somewhere. I hope they don't really break them up because I like them as a faction. I think they're really good. They should have got the tag team championships, but didn't. So their storyline is pretty interesting. So I really want to see where it goes. Now we move on to the co-main event of the evening, which is Alexa Bliss versus Nikki Cross. We see Nikki says Alexa made it clear she doesn't want to be saved. Now she's going to beat the fiend out of her. We see Alexa toying with Nikki. Then she makes Nikki chase her and Alexa goes into the ring. Cross then pulls her out of the ring and then goes on the attack. We see Nikki giving Alexa a beating and all Alexa Bliss can do is just smile. She's really enjoying this beating from her friend Nikki Cross and that just angers Cross. She then slams Alexa's head repeatedly into the mat and then continues to beat on her. The end match shows we see Alexa pretend she's going back to normal by crying and Cross falls for it. She then goes to hug Alexa Bliss and then Alexa Bliss out of nowhere hits a sister Abigail onto Cross to win the match. So Alexa Bliss really pulled one over on Nikki Cross pretending that she was out of this trance that that beating really helped her fight the Fiend's trance off. So Nikki Cross I'm pretty sure isn't done trying to help her best friend or maybe she is maybe now she's just gonna beat her up every week and Alexa Bliss is probably just gonna enjoy it. But now we just have to see where this really goes because I don't think this is truly the end of Nikki Cross and Alexa Bliss. Now we move on to the main event of the evening which is Randy Orton versus AJ Styles. The qualifying match. The final spot for the triple threat match for the WWE Championship. We see Orton in control until Styles builds some momentum which didn't last. We see AJ Styles bodyguard saves him after Orton tosses AJ. Then the distraction caused AJ to turn the tide once again. We see Orton is in control when back from break and then once again Styles turns the tide. It was a back and forth contest. AJ Styles finally locks in on the calf crusher onto Orton who reaches the ropes. Then Styles lets Randy get up and he runs at him to receive a power slam. Then Randy Orton sets up for the RKO but AJ Styles dodges. The end match was the fight spills to the outside and then the Fiend's music play and we see them behind the barricade but he hides before Orton can truly see him. Then the fight spills back in the ring. Orton hits a draping DDT. He sets up for the RKO and then the Fiend's music hits again. He's now on the apron. He scares Orton and then he vanishes. Orton still in shock forgets about AJ who hits a phenomenal forearm out of nowhere to pick up the win to join the triple threat match next week with Keith Lee and Matt Riddle. So what an interesting triple threat match we're going to have. And after this from The Fiend, I'm pretty sure now the Orton-Fiend feud now begins. So that ends Raw. I think Raw overall was pretty good. Uh, we got a lot of storylines this time, a lot of finishes from Survivor Series. We got a Hurt Business storyline going on. We got to see where that goes. We got Orton and The Fiend once again. You know, Orton hasn't really faced The Fiend. He's only faced regular Bray Wyatt. So this is going to be an interesting matchup. Next week, we also have that triple threat match between Keith Lee, Matt Riddle, and AJ Styles. I wonder who's going to win that. My pick is Keith Lee. People want AJ Styles to win the championship again, but I truly want Lee to be like a main star when it comes to, you know, Monday Night Raw. They need a lot of those stars, and Keith Lee is that guy. So he's my pick to win that match. There's a lot of interesting storylines with Raw going on right now. So like I always say, we're just going to have to see where that goes. Now we move on to the next show, NXT. NXT this week kicked off with Candice LeVay versus Ember Moon. We see Moon with a quick start, but then LeRae goes for a timeout. Then Moon hits her with a shotgun dropkick and then chases LeRae. We see Hartwell try to distract, but that didn't work. Moon stops LeRae on a baseball slide, then slammed her into the announce table. Then Moon blasts Indy Hartwell with a forearm. Candice LeRae tries to hand backstage, then Moon stops her, but when she gets her back in the ring, LeRae ends up taking control. We see LeRae attempt multiple tins on Ember, but can't put her away. We see Moon build some momentum off a counter into a Northern Light suplex. Then we see Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez make their 
presence known by standing behind Candice LeRae. During picture-in-picture, -picture, Hartwell gets involved, taking out Moon, giving LeRae the control once again. When back from break, Ember Moon tries to build some momentum, but LeRae stops it. Then Ember Moon heats up once again. The end match was Ember Moon tries to go for the Eclipse, and then Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez distract the ref. Then Indy Hartwell takes the Eclipse for Candice LeRae, and then Candice LeRae takes advantage of that momentary distraction and hits the Wicked Stepsister on Ember Moon to pick up the win. After the match, we see all four women try to attack Ember Moon, but she escapes. Then Tony Storm comes out to make the save. They then look at each other and correlate a plan to storm the ring. And when they finally do, Tony Storm ends up pulling Ember Moon out and then attacking her. And then she feeds her to the wolves and Raquel Gonzalez finishes off Ember Moon. So we see a Tony Storm heel turn. I didn't see this coming. I mean, then again, you should have seen it coming, but I, I truly didn't. So it caught me by surprise. I thought it was going to be Ember Moon and Tony Storm, you know, on the same team at War Games, but clearly it's not. It's going to be Candice LeRae, Raquel Gonzalez, Dakota Kai, and Tony Storm. You can already see it. So we'll have to wait and see tonight where all of this heads. Then we head backstage where Legado del Fantasma talks about the Cruiserweight Championship and how 2020 was their year, and they've beat everybody that's come in their path. And then they asked who's next, and then they say Kurt Stallion. And apparently Kurt Stallion has been on 205 winning a couple matches. I'm not familiar with Kurt Stallion because I've never watched him on 205 Live or I've ever seen him. I've seen him cut a promo on uh, Logado Fantasma and the Cruiserweight Championship, but I've never got the pleasure of watching him wrestle. So I'm going to try to do some research on him, see if, you know, he'll give uh, Santos Escobar a really good match. So just let me do my research on him and then I'll come back with you guys and I'll talk more about Kurt Stallion. Now we move on to uh, Undisputed Era promo. Pat McAfee says he won't be on NXT this week because it's Thanksgiving week. Adam Cole went on to say that Pat McAfee said that the UE is dead, but Cole says the UE is not dead, but they respect that they got a taste of their own medicine. They says the UE made War Games famous in NXT, and that is true. They have been in every War Games match on NXT so far. They're also 2-0 on War Game advantages, so these guys truly made War Games as big as it is in NXT, you know, because it was around before them, but in the NXT brand, Undisputed Era runs that. Then he says they enjoyed beating up the kings of NXT last week. Then Kyle O'Reilly says he needs to fight Pete Dunne, and the UE agree. Cole says he likes Angry O'Reilly. Also, he says they'll fight a different UE at War Games. So, will we see a different UE at War Games? Will we see a more aggressive UE? Will we see the UE of old where they don't care about nobody but themselves and to shock the system? I really can't wait for War Games. I'm excited. It's shaping up to be a really good pay-per-view. Then we head backstage once again. We see LeRae ask Kai and Gonzalez, will they be on her War Games team? They agree. Then Storm is announced as the new member to LeRae's team. LeRae says to Storm, like, we all good? They, she says, yeah. So now they've squashed their beef and they will be on the same team at War Games. So Candice LeRae's team is pretty stacked now just to see who Shotzi Blackheart brings onto her team. Now we move on to the next match, which is Kushida versus Timothy Thatcher. We see Champa come out with a chair to watch up close. It was a technical start for both men and ended a stalemate. We've seen a back and forth contest. No man could really take control even when we came back from break. Then both men began to exchange Kimura locks. The end match was the fight spills to the outside. Then Thatcher gets distracted with Champa. Kushida then slams him into a ring post and then slams his arm onto the outside. Then the fight spills back into the ring. Both men exchange. Then Thatcher gets distracted by Champa once again who throws the chair up the ramp. Then Kushida locks in on that hoverboard lock to tap out Timothy Thatcher. So Timothy Thatcher for the first time taps out and I know that makes him look bad because he's always trying to make other people tap out. He's always trying to put lessons on how to get out of stuff and clearly he couldn't get out of this Kimura lock tonight. So Champa then walks to the camera and says, I think
think now he's gonna want to fight me so Tommaso Ciampa was just trying to pick a fight he was just trying to make Timothy Thatcher be like okay I'm gonna fight this guy so now expect Timothy Thatcher versus Ciampa now we move on to the KO show with special guest Leon Ruff I also forgot to mention KO was on commentary tonight KO did a really good job he played his part as a great commentator and I love seeing Kevin Owens in NXT I really hope that you know one day he comes back because that is his home he was former NXT champion he does belong there like I said hopefully one day he does come back but we start this segment off with Leon Ruff he's talking about how it feels to be North American champion and KO gives Ruff some advice and then Ruff starts talking about Gargano then KO says you shouldn't have said his name then he says I know how this goes now he's gonna come out and he does he also did like a little countdown before this he wasn't accurate but he was right with Johnny Gargano coming out he then offers him a chair and Gargano just throws the chair out then Gargano says he's the real North American champion not Ruff nor Priest then Owen says I just warned Ruff about saying names then Priest comes out Priest says Johnny can't admit Ruff is better than him then KO offers Damien a chair and he says he's good Owen says I don't even know why I bring all these chairs in anyway Damien Priest then goes on to say that Ruff beat Gargano twice Johnny replies with it's because of you then says if he faced Ruff the one-on-one he would lose then he says he's a joke and then shoves Ruff Priest says he never received the title shot rematch then Owen says he wished NXT had their own version of Teddy Long then all the men look to the ramp but nobody comes out and then when they all lose faith William Regal comes out and says at war games will be a triple threat match for the North American Championship Johnny Gargano versus Damian Priest versus Leon Ruff and then he was about to walk away and then he turns around and says player just like Teddy Longwood so he had a little funny moment there NXT had their own little Teddy right there so I have you know some predictions for this match I feel like Leon Ruff walks away with this title why because maybe they want to hold this off for a little longer maybe they want to give him a little more shine if he doesn't win it and Johnny Gargano doesn't win it it's going to be Damian Priest who wins it but I say they keep going the route with Leon Ruff I say they let him hold on to it just a little longer he has a lot to prove to be a champion but I feel like he should hold it and keep this angle going now we move on to the next match of the night which is Cameron Grimes versus Jake Atlas we've seen a quick start from both men both trying to gain the control early which Grimes ends up doing we've seen Atlas build some momentum after an exchange with Grimes but it's cut short with Grimes who hits a Spanish fly then a cave-in for the win so really 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 quick match for Cameron Grimes I didn't think he was gonna have such a quick match over Jake Atlas who has been fighting for the Cruiserweight Championship and giving us really good matches Cameron Grimes beats him in under five minutes then after the match we see Loomis appear behind Grimes then they play a video of Grimes scared and running away there even was a drawing that Dexter Loomis was drawing then he pulls out a bag and then Cameron Grimes runs out the ring and then Dexter Loomis pulls out a strap from the bag and tosses it at Cameron Grimes so he's insinuating a strap match after that we head backstage where Grimes says he's not scared of Loomis then Regal says Grimes will face Loomis in a strap match at NXT TakeOver War Games so we will see these two men collide once again I hope you know that these two have a really good match at War Games if it's their final match then let these guys put on a show it is War Games now we move on to a Rhea Ripley promo Rhea Ripley goes on to say that Io is the toughest she's ever been in the ring with she says that hug at the end of that match was nothing but respect it wasn't a send-off then Candice LeRae comes out LeRae says Io stole two victories from her with help and then she beat Rhea on her own Gonzalez then comes out with Io Shirai on her shoulder and then they surround Rhea but she slides out the ring taking out Raquel Gonzalez with a big boot and Dakota Kai with a huge right hand then she heads back into the ring to take on Storm and Candice LeRae she held her own for a while but the numbers game caught up with her so will it be Rhea Ripley and Io Shirai to join Team 
Shotzi. So will it be Shotzi Blackheart, Ember Moon, Io Shirai, Rhea Ripley versus Dakota Kai, Raquel Gonzalez, Tony Storm, and Candice LeRae at War Games? I think that's really stacked. I think that's more stacked than the men's match. And I'm really looking forward to this women's match because we have some veterans in this match and Io Shirai and Rhea Ripley. So I'm really interested to see how this women war game plays out. I'm really excited. After that, we head to a segment where Bo and Xia Li get in the car. They look terrible. They look like they haven't slept. They look like they're haunted. We see Xia Li ask where he's taking us. Then the door locks. They then drive. They reach a location. They greet a man and call him the master. Then a gate opens. They go inside and see a woman. They beg her for forgiveness. They ask for one more chance and then a man yells at them, enough, and then paints a symbol on them. So what does this mean? Who is this woman who was sitting in that chair with that black outfit on? Who is this guy who's putting this sign on them? I don't recall any new wrestlers being signed of like Chinese relations. So I have to look into the signees. Maybe there's somebody that we're missing here. Maybe somebody we're not thinking inside the box. Maybe we got to think outside the box. So I want to see where this goes. It's becoming a little more interesting than I thought it would be. After that, we head to the ring where Everrise was getting ready for a match. Then they were attacked from behind by the returning grizzled young veterans. It's good to see them back. They were a really good tag team in NXT UK. They were going to be a good tag team in NXT till the COVID era hit. So it's good to see that they're back and ready to take over the tag team division. I'm really excited to see grizzled young vets. NXT's tag team division is stacked whether we like to admit it or not. They have some really good guys in the Imperium guys and the Undisputed Era. Danny Burch, Oni Lorcan. They have uh, Brizongo. They're a good team when they're serious. They have some really good teams. So that tag division is going to get a whole lot better with the grizzled young vets coming back. Then we head backstage where Candice says anyone who tries to join Team Shotzi will be destroyed. We then see Indy Harwell in a neck brace due to that forearm smash by Ember Moon. We then see Johnny Gargano come and interrupt and say the car is ready. He then says that he will win the North American Championship at TakeOver. And then they get in the car and as they drive off, we see another screen character in the back seat. So I told you there was more than one screen character. There was a screen character for, for um, not Shotzi, for Candice O'Reilly. And then there's a screen character for Johnny Gargano. I knew I wasn't tripping. So now it leaves the mystery of who is that second screen character. I really want to know who that is. And is he going to play a factor in that triple threat match coming up? Now we move on to the main event of the evening. It is a ladder match for the advantage in war games. It is Kyle O'Reilly versus Pete Dunne. The fight starts before the bell even rings. It was a slugfest early. We've seen a ladder involved in the first 30 seconds. Then the fight spills to the outside where Kyle gets the advantage. He then tries to get a ladder, but Pete stops him by stomping on his fingers and delivering a kick to the face. Later on, we see Kyle begin to build some momentum on the outside. Then he goes inside to climb the ladder and Dunn pushes the ladder, sending Kyle to take a nasty spill. Then he uses the ladder to apply a submission. Then he places the ladder on Kyle's hand and climbs up. We see Kyle escape. He then hits a dragon screw, then a leg lock while Dunn is still on that ladder. It was a back and forth mid-match. We seen Dunn was stomping on Kyle on the ladder. Then Kyle gets up and then they slug it out on the apron. Dunn then suplexes Kyle through a ladder from the apron. We see Dunn then trying to climb the ladder during picture in a picture. Kyle tried to stop him but Dunn kicked him and continued the attack with the ladder to go after the hand of Kyle. We see Dunn go for the bitter end but Kyle counters with a guillotine then a brain buster on the ladder. Then he goes up to the top for a knee dive but Dunn moves causing Kyle's leg to smash into that ladder. Later on in the match we see both men slugging it out under the ladder. Then they take turns tugging each other into the ladder. Both men are now fighting at the top of the ladder. Then they knock each other off to continue the fight off the ladder. Kyle then climbs the ladder later on in the match and Dunn hits him with the chair. Then he throws him to the 
outside and then hits a bitter end onto the barricade. He then races to the ring, climbs the ladder. Then Kyle races to knock him off, sending Dunn back first into a ladder. As Kyle climbs up, a masked person just comes in the ring and pushes him off the ladder to the outside. Then we see Pete Dunn recover to retrieve the briefcase. So I'm assuming this masked man was no other than Pat McAfee. He said he wasn't going to be here tonight, but the way he was mocking the Undisputed Era, you can tell that it was Pat McAfee behind that mask. So for the first time, the Undisputed Era lose an advantage match. They're now 2-1 in advantage matches, and we'll see an advantage for the Kings of NXT at War Games. So that puts an end to this week's NXT. Now, all around, it was a really great NXT. It was a really great build-up to War Games. I'm excited for both War Game matches. Both War Game matches really tell a story, and I just can't wait to see the outcome of it. I know these two are going to steal the show. It's always the marquee matches that steal the show, but I feel like there's going to be some other ones that's going to take advantage. Like, I know that triple threat match is going to be good. I know Leon Ruff is going to surprise us and pull out all the stops, and he's going to show why he deserves that North American Championship. I'm also interested in Dexter Loomis and Cameron Grimes. I think their rivalry has been fun. It's been fresh, so I can't wait to see that. All around good show for NXT. It, all it did was just make me more hype for NXT War Games. Now, it's time to move on to NXT UK, where tonight is the finals of the Heritage Cup. A-Kid versus Trent Seven. It's going to be an exciting NXT UK. So, NXT UK this week kicked off with Amir Jordan versus Jordan Devlin for the Cruiserweight Championship. We've seen a lockup early, and then Devlin gets the advantage. We see both lock up again, and then Devlin hits a vicious knee, and then he goes on the attack. We see Amir try to build some momentum, but it's quickly stopped by Devlin. Amir in this match couldn't build any momentum without Jordan Devlin stopping it. We've seen Jordan send Amir to the outside to continue the attack. Jordan Devlin at this point was dominating, and then Amir finally builds some well-needed momentum. He goes up top, and Devlin stops him. They fight at the top. Amir goes for a sunset flip, and Jordan Devlin stops it, but then Amir Jordan picks him up, and he slams him down. He then goes back up to the top rope to hit a swanton, but Devlin ends up getting the knees up. Then he locks on that Texas Cloverleaf, immediately tapping out Amir Jordan to retain that Cruiserweight Championship. I love that Jordan Devlin is defending his Cruiserweight Championship on NXT. I love that he's, you know, dominating these guys out here. He's not losing. He's not getting dominated. He's out here showing why he truly is the Cruiserweight Champion, and he shows that he put the work in on himself and on his skill to remain this champion. I'm interested to seeing who else steps up. I'm pretty sure Kenny Williams is next to step up, but who else after that is willing to go against Jordan Devlin for that Cruiserweight Championship? He's on a tear and I hope he continues that. After that, we head backstage where Rampage Brown is working out and then he's interrupted by Saxton Huxley. So I'm pretty sure they're setting up a match between Rampage and Saxton Huxley. We then have a little video vignette of Noam Dar. He says he's going to have his own talk show, which is the Super 11 Nova Sessions. So expect a little version of the KO show or the Miz TV happening on NXT UK with Noam Dar. We then head backstage once again where Flash Morgan and Mark Andrews attack the hunt from behind as they're coming in. So this rivalry is heating up. These two teams really used to be friends and now they're just mortal enemies. And I can't wait till these two go at it. It's announced that they will fight each other next week. So make sure you look forward to that match because I'm pretty sure it's going to be a really good match. We move on to the next match of the evening which is Isla Dawn versus Ginny. We've seen holds early from both women and then Dawn hits a heavy knee to take control for a few. Then Ginny stops the momentum with a reversal, then hits a rolling lager kick. She then locks on an octopus hold. We saw Dawn build some momentum with standing kicks and then a flurry. She then hits a signature suplex for a near fall. Later on in the match, Ginny counters Dawn with a knee straight to the face and then it becomes back and forth after these two
two women exchange moves and slug it out. The end match was Dawn goes to the top. She then misses tweaking her ankle. Then Ginny attacks the leg. She then locks on a submission on the legs of Isla Dawn to tap her out instantly. You know what surprises me? That Piper Nevins didn't come out and beat up Ginny for ruining her NXT UK Women's Championship match last week against Kaylee Ray. I think that really surprised me that she didn't come out. I think that would have been a perfect time for her to, you know, show her newfound aggression and just beat up Ginny right there. But I guess they're saving that. So we'll just have to wait and see. Now we have backstage once again where Alexander Wolf demands a match against Joe Coffey. He says Gallus should be banned from ringside. And assistant to the general manager Sid Scala agrees. But he says also, remember, Imperium is banned as well. And then Alexander has this look on his face like, okay, it's whatever then. So I'm sure we're going to have Alexander Wolf versus Joe Coffey either next week or two weeks from now. They didn't really announce it. Now we move on to the finals of the Heritage Cup. The most anticipated match of the week for me. Trent Seven versus A-Kid. The finals of the 2020 Heritage Cup. In round one, we seen a stalemate early from both men in the feeling out process. No man was able to take control in the first round. In round two, Trent goes for multiple pin attempts early. It was a technical round so far with a minute to go. Trent ends the round with the wicked right hand that upsets A-Kid. In round three, we say A-Kid start off the round fast with a kick to Trent who dodges, but his water goes flying. Then a slugfest ensues. Kicks versus chops and kicks one. A-Kid then hits a Pele, then a PK for a near fall. He then hits another PK and then a kick to the face that gets him the first fall. So A-Kid is up one in a best of six. In round four, we see a quick charge by A-Kid. Then he goes for the early pin attempt for the near fall. Then he holds Trent to the mat. Trent then lifts up A-Kid with one arm for the slam, but he can't capitalize. Trent angry at the end of the round. In round five, we see multiple exchanges of holds early. Trent reverses a Northern Lights suplex with a vicious DDT for a near fall. A-Kid then fights off Trent's burning hammer attempt from the top, and then Trent chops the leg of A-Kid, then rushes to the top. Both men battle, then Trent goes for an avalanche back body drop, and A-Kid counters in midair, then goes for the cover, and Trent gets saved by the bell. In round six, we see Trent start off extremely quickly, then he hits the Emerald Frozen for a near fall, then hits his seven style lariat for another near fall. He then hits the burning hammer, but he's slow to make the pin. As he's pinning, A-Kid gets his foot under the rope. A-Kid tries to build some momentum and Trent stops it with a lariat. Trent then turns the A-Kid submission into a pinfall to win. With that pinfall victory, Trent forces a round seven sudden death. There's no time limit. It's a slugfest early. Then Trent hits the lariat early but can't make the cover. The fight spills to the apron. Then Trent hits a side slam off the apron onto A-Kid. Then A-Kid nearly gets counted out. We see Trent then hit that seven style lariat. Then he goes for the burning Harrenburg. A-Kid counters with a super kick. Then a leg lariat. Trent tries to get A-Kid in the Uma Plata but counters with the submission of his own. Trent tries to fight it off and not tap but A-Kid gets the leg over the arm to make it worse for Trent. Trent tries to hold off for as long as he can. The grueling submission is locked in. He ends up giving up which means A-Kid is the winner of our 2020 Heritage Cup and yes I called it. A-Kid was my pick from the beginning. I knew this was for him. I knew he deserved this opportunity. This kid is fantastic. I've been watching A-Kid for a while and I thought he was fantastic for this tournament and I'm glad that he won. So my pick was correct. All of those who bet against me, you were wrong. A-Kid is your 2020 winner. It All around, it was a good tournament. It was a fantastic tournament if you want me to be honest. I love this seven, this six style rounds, three minutes. I love those type of, I love that. I don't know why. It was actually really good. I've actually became a really big fan of it. So maybe they should do some more tournaments like this. Maybe maybe WWE, you know, uh, 
uh, regular Raw and SmackDown should implement tournament styles like this. I actually really like the format it is. So that ends NXT UK, which was fantastic because of that Heritage Cup. And you know, I can't wait to see what happens between the Hunt, Flash Morgan, Webster, and Mark Andrews. That's going to be an insane match. And Rampage Brown versus Saxton Huxley should not disappoint at all. So now we're going to move on to our next show, AEW Dynamite. This week's AEW Dynamite kicked off with Hangman Adam Page versus John Silver. Hangman's graphic this week read, lost his phone for six weeks, was too cheap to buy a new one. Like I said, whoever writes these graphics are hilarious. And I think people pay attention to it. Maybe some people let it slip by them, but I never do. I always look for Hangman Page's graphics when I see him. But we get to the match. We see a collar elbow tie up early. Then both men try to gain the advantage early, which Silver did for a second before eating a forearm. We see John Silver constantly trying to befriend Hangman Page. It looks like as he was getting to him a little bit, but you know, he didn't really like budge. But he did have a smile on his face. Later in the match, it was a back and forth contest. Then a slugfest ensues. Then Silver hits a beautiful snap suplex, but still Hangman able to go on the attack with a jumping clothesline. Then he hits a dive after Silver tried to counter it. We see Hangman catch Silver midair to then hit a fallaway slam into a running shooting star for just the near fall. We see Hangman goes for that buckshot Larry, but Silver counters it with a Rana into a pin attempt for a near fall. Then there was a click flurry from John Silver only to get the near fall. Silver then starts his kicks and Page just smiles and then both men hit great flurries. We see Hangman at the end of the match hit a great Liger bomb. Then he hits the buckshot lariat for the win. After the match, we see the Dark Order come out. They try to recruit Hangman. They say the Elite was a cult because they didn't let Hangman leave when he wanted to. They say if he needs a friend, they know exactly where to find them. So, all around good match from John Silver and Hangman Adam Page. I thought it was a great opening to AEW Dynamite. But what an even better storyline of the Dark Order trying to recruit Hangman Adam Page. We know they tried in the past. We know it was teased on BTE a couple times. But now I guess they're really making it a storyline. So, can we see Hangman Adam Page join the Dark Order or is this just a ploy for the Dark Order to take out Hangman Adam Page? Because, you know, him and Brody got some tension between each other. So, we'll just have to wait and see on how that story plays out. Next, we head backstage to a Kenny Omega promo. Alex Marvez asks him, what's his thoughts on all that's happening? Kenny says, the more things change, the more they say the same. Then he goes to say he was nursing injuries he got from John Moxley. He says, now he sees Mox's face plastered on Pro Wrestling Magazine, and people is now calling Mox the best wrestler in the world. He says his tournament win suddenly brought back up the cleaner, the best bout machine. He says the AEW Championship binds him and Moxley, and then says he will win the AEW Championship. He will return as best in the world, then says Mox to leave the garbage wrestling at home. Then he was gonna leave, and he came back, and he said Mox's dad wasn't even tough at all. He says he bet his dad can beat the shit out of Mox's dad. So, these guys have something personal. These guys have a lot riding on this match. Kenny Omega, you know, now he's coming back as the cleaner, the best bout machine, the best wrestler in the world. And people want to see that. People miss that. People hated Kenny when he came to AEW. He was just playful and joking and really didn't care. Now people want that. And he's going to give the people what they want. And it's true. John Moxley has made a name for himself. He has climbed that rankings to become the number one wrestler in the world. It's been proven. In my opinion, I think Kenny Omega takes that belt from John Moxley. I hope they wrestle just a regular match, but you know, they're never, you never know what might happen. So we'll just have to wait for next week when it's Kenny Omega versus John Moxley for the AEW World Championship. We then head to another video vignette where Darby Allen tells Team Taz, survive if I let you. And then he burns a car. So he's sending a clear message to FTW along with their new member, Powerhouse Will Hobbs, that he is coming for them. Now we head to the next match, which is Powerhouse Will Hobbs versus Lee Johnson. And yes, do not be surprised by the name change. He is no longer Will Hobbs. He is now Powerhouse Hobbs. 
ever since joining FTW. So we've seen a quick start by Lee Johnson cut short by Hobbs. Then he tosses him to the outside and destroys Lee with the clothesline, then throws him into the barricade. We see powerhouse Hobbs then toss him into the ring to place his finisher on him to win. So it was a squash match. It was just to build up the new gimmick of powerhouse Hobbs. In this match, he kept yelling like it's nothing personal. It's just business. So did Will Hobbs align himself or powerhouse Hobbs align himself with FTW just to get somewhere, get to the top, maybe finally get a title opportunity at the TNT title or something like that. I think, you know, he has a strategy and he's going to stick it out. Will I see him turning on him? Maybe eventually down the line. But as of right now, I think he's going to stick with FTW. After that match, we see Taz leave the commentary booth and go down to the ring. He then cuts a promo. He says he has a problem that the FTW championship is not being recognized and he's not leaving till someone from management comes out and then they cut his mic. He then goes to Justin Roberts and tells him to give him his mic. He says that they cut this mic, he'll go to the announce desk and they know they won't cut that off. He knows how this business works. Then they shut that mic off as well. We see Cody then come out and says, what are you doing? Are you done? Then says Taz is wasting time. Then Taz says, make this mean something. Cody says he'll run it up the flagpole and then he tries to leave. Taz then says, what's next? You're going to tell me creative has nothing for me. So good luck on my future endeavors. Then Cody storms back in the ring and says, if this is so important, why is your son not training with you, but with me? And then Taz drops the mic. He then walks up to Cody and he says, I can't believe you said that. Then Taz walks away. And then we see Taz, as soon as Cody turns his back, puts on the Taz mission onto Cody. Then the gun club come to make the save, but Taz ends up leaving. And his son Hook is right behind them with the FTW championship. So this storyline got a little more personal between Taz and Cody Rhodes. And you know, it's going to get heated. And I think that means that Taz's son Hook is probably going to debut soon in AEW. I'm not too familiar with Taz's son. I know a little bit about him, but I just not don't know too much. So what does that mean for Cody Rhodes' other storyline with Jay Cargill and apparently Shaq? Does that change? Is there something going on with that story that now they're focusing somewhere else? I don't know. We'll just have to wait and see in the upcoming weeks on what storyline they choose to stick with. If it's Taz or if it's the Jay Cargill Shaq storyline. We'll have to wait and see. Now we cut backstage to an Eddie Kingston promo. He says he's not mad at Penta, just disappointed. He says Pac's been gone for eight months and things changed. And then Mox comes out of nowhere and stops the interview. Eddie Kingston and Moxley go face to face and Eddie says, you know it wasn't me. You know exactly who it was. And then John shakes his head and walks away. So I guess he approached him because he thought he was the one who attacked him last week, causing him not to be able to sign that contract with Kenny Omega. But then he believed Eddie Kingston. He probably knew Eddie Kingston would attack him from behind. He'll pretty much do it face to face. I wonder if they're ever going to have John Moxley and Eddie Kingston pair up. You know, they're real friends in real life. They're really good friends in real life. So I hope to see them pair up sooner than later, but we'll just have to wait and see. Now we head to the next match of the evening, which is Top Flight versus TH2. And Helico early in the match gets the best of Darius with his technical style. We see Top Flight get the advantage later on with some great tag team offense. Then Helico scouts Dante's dropkick to take control of the match. We've seen TH2 in control through picture and picture. We've seen when back from break that Dante makes the tag to his brother who comes in hot. Evans then tries to German Dante to the outside. Darius makes the save with an Inseguri sending Evans into Angelico. Then him and his brother do a suicide dive tope combo. We see TH2 build up some momentum and then Dante stops it with the roll up but gets a near fall. The end match was Evan takes out Darius on the outside and then Angelico puts the death roll submission on Dante to tap him out. Then after the match they continue to hold the submission and attack top flight and then the Young Bucks make the save. So we have Young Bucks and top flight is you know is the Young Bucks going to be the mentor of top flight since they know what it's like to be brothers 
in tag team wrestling it's gonna be interesting if they're like their mentors they're really gonna go real far because the young bucks are a phenomenal tag team and th2 deserves this win because th2 has been looked down upon for so long and helico's fantastic jack evans is fantastic i don't know why these guys don't have a push at all but i guess now they're gonna get a little bit more shine now they're in a feud and a rivalry with top flight and maybe now they'll be in a little rivalry with the young bucks and they'll probably get an aw tag team championship match eventually also i just want to say congratulations to top flight who was recently signed to all elite wrestling congrats they're both truly deserving 21 and 19 two amazing young athletes who are going to propel the tag team division for years to come now we head backstage where vicky and nyla rose are speaking they talk about brandy and how she hired all her friends and she's still failing they also mentioned that they are now aligned with jade cargo because if we remember last week they were helping her you know attack brandy by stopping the security so we have ourselves a little alliance here so are we going to see team brandy versus team vicky i don't know i feel like they're changing these storylines little by little when it comes to jade cargill and brandy so we'll have to wait and see how that turns out now we head to the next match which is jericho and jake hager versus scu before the match we get an ftr video segment they talk about that the young bucks was better than them for three seconds and they need those tag team championship backs they will come back as one of the best tag teams on aew then tully blanchard tells us to fear the revelation so i have to disagree with the ftr just a little bit for three seconds they weren't greater than them they had the tag team championships right now this proves that they're the best tag team in the world since they beat them for those aew world tag team championships yes it was a phenomenal tag team match it was probably one of the greatest tag team matches it'll go down in history as one of the best i can tell you that so ftr is gonna come back and i'm sure they're gonna make their mark uh you know uh, as far as them taking the tag team championship backs i see it in the prominent future i just don't know how long we'll have to wait for it to happen but now we'll head to the match we've seen jericho come out with the new inner circle that includes wardlow and mjf for the first time ever we get daniels and chris jericho fighting we see daniels get the best of jericho early then tags and Kaz for some tag team offense then we see jericho finally break away to make the tag to jake hager which changes the tide we've seen some frequent tags from hager and jericho to retain the control daniels then finally builds some momentum and then santana swipes the legs giving hager the control then he throws daniel to the outside and then the inner circle begin to attack we see hager in control through picture and picture daniels then gets a window of opportunity to tag in kaz which he does kaz then takes out ortiz and then he fights off the inner circle then he goes back into the ring to tag in cd to hold the control jericho then tags in hager but christopher daniels gets the best of hager then he hits him with the bme he then goes for the pin but jericho breaks up the pin the referee gets distracted and mjf just blasts christopher daniels with that dynamite diamond ring then chris jericho hits the judas effect for the win after the match the rest of the inner circle get inside the ring then we see kazarian punch mjf in the face and then the rest of the inner circle attack then we see scorpio sky raised down to the ramp with the chair in his hand and the inner circle scatter so i'm pretty sure scu and the inner circle are not done by a long shot now we head backstage to a debut of miro and kip's new video game segment then we see orange cassidy come in and he just turns off the xbox he then walks out the room and they chase him then the best friends attacks and becomes a brawl backstage it ends by miro knocking over the cameraman you just hear scuffling in the background so these two teams still got it out for each other and i doubt that was truly a real segment that was probably just a build-up so this rivalry can happen or this fight could happen so we'll have to wait and see for miro and kip sabian to fight the best friends will it be a street fight will we see another parking lot brawl i don't know what we'll see when it comes to these two teams but i'm sure it's going to be something with weapons now we move on to the omega my 
Moxley contract signing. We see Omega doing his entrance in the tunnel, and then you see a shadow pop up from behind him. Then Mox attacks. Then the fight spills to the ring where Moxley hits a paradigm shift to Kenny Omega on that AEW World Championship. John Moxley then grabs a mic. He says, you put a hit on me and I'm still standing. Then he says Omega needs to dig deep to reach what people say he is, meaning that cleaner, that best bout machine, to actually win that AEW Championship. And then he says, if you come for a king, make sure you don't miss. So this rivalry is heating up. I'm going to assume that John Moxley knows that Kenny Omega allowed somebody or paid somebody to attack him from behind. But that still leaves the question of who attacked John Moxley from behind. We still want to know that. We want to know who's in alliance, who's in cahoots with the cleaner Kenny Omega. This is going to be a really hype match. This is going to be a really good match. I'm sure of it. They're super building this match up and I love it. It's been a buildup for a whole year. And this is going to be a phenomenal match next week. Make sure you check that match out. Now we move on to the co-main event of the evening, which is Hikaru Shida versus Anna Jay for the AEW Women's Championship. But before the match, we have backstage where MJF is upset that Kaz sucker punched him. Then Jericho takes the mic and says, Kaz, next week for the first time ever, it will be Jericho versus Kaz. So we have another first time ever when it comes to Chris Jericho. We had him going in the same ring with Christopher Daniels tonight. Now next week, he will be facing Kaz one-on-one for the first time ever. Then after that, we got an Anna J Hikaru Shida build-up video, and I thought it was pretty cool. I thought they really built up that video perfectly to build up this match because there was truly no build-up to this match at all. It was just Anna J is getting a title shot, and then everybody's like, okay, then what's the build-up here? So they gave us a little video so that way we can have a little background story to how all of this came about and why they're doing this match. Now we move on to the match. We've seen Anna J and Shida have a shoving match, then both women lock up. We see Anna J try to lock on that Queen Slayer early, but Shida fights out and then she goes on the offense. We've seen Shida go for that knee on the outside, but Anna J counters it, then slams Shida into the apron, then the barricade. We've seen Anna J in control through picture in picture. When we're back from break, Anna J tells Ty Conti to get a chair and she hesitates a little bit, and then Anna J just takes it from her, but the referee takes it. While he's distracted with the chair and Tay Conti, Silver hands Anna J a candlestick, which she uses, and then she goes for the pin but gets a near fall. She then locks on the Queen Slayer and Sheeta fights out once again to go on the attack. The end match was Sheeta escapes one of Jay's moves. She then drops her to the ground. She then hits that Tamashi knee for the win to retain that AEW Women's Championship. And then I'm going to tell you exactly what happened after I watched this match. I was like, who's next for Hokaru Sheeta as she's walking up the ramp? And then little behold, we see Abaddon's name appear across the screen and Abaddon crawls her way out. So we see Abaddon returning from injury. She was injured during a match, I believe, on AW Dark. So it's good to see her back. Will Abaddon be the one to end Hikaru Shida's reign? I think that would be a great match. I think they just need to build it up. Don't just rush to it. Have a big build up and then put this match and make it a main event. Why is a women's match not being a main event, especially a title match? How come a tag team match is more important than a women's championship match? I, I truly don't understand that about AW. I think that's the only thing I dislike. When it's like a championship match, it's never the end. It's always in the middle or the co-main event while something else takes over. So AW just needs to fix that a little bit. The Anna J and Hikaru Shida should have been the main event. NXT UK does it. NXT does it. Raw and SmackDown not so much. But the smaller Browns do do it. So hopefully they'd be like, okay, you know what? This is a championship match. People want to see these matches. Let's put it as the main event. And I'm sure more people will tune in. But that's solely just my opinion. Other people may feel a different way about it. Now we head backstage where Team Taz is making a promo. Ricky Stark says Cody has crossed the line when it comes 
comes to talking about Taz's kid. He says AEW isn't the problem, it's Cody. He's the problem. He forced them to cut Taz's mics and then he made it personal by talking about his kid hook. FTW then warns Cody that they're on their way to come for him. So we're going to see Cody Rhodes and FTW more involved in, you know, this storyline. Like I said, they're cutting away from this Shaq Jade Cargill thing to put Cody Rhodes in the FTW storyline. I don't really mind it, but just like stay on track and stay on one story. Now we move to the main event of the evening, which is Butcher and the Blade versus Pac and Ray Phoenix. The Butcher and the Blade attack at the top of the ramp. Then the match begins with Ray Phoenix and the Butcher. We see Phoenix and Pac take control and then they do a double tope to take out the Butcher and the Blade. Then Butcher and the Blade gives a cross by to Pac and then tags in Blade. Then they hit some great tag offense to keep control. We see later on that Pac gives Phoenix the tag who takes control of the Blade. We see frequent tags from Pac and Phoenix. Then Pac and Phoenix take out Big Man Butcher with some nice teamwork. Then all the men are down. We see Pac throw Blade to the outside and then Penta starts to attack Blade. And Ray Phoenix and Pac was in control during picture in picture. When we come back from break we see Blade mount some offense then tags in Butcher who turns the tide. Late match we get a Pac hot tag. We see him take out Butcher and the Blade all by himself. Then Pac goes for a shooting star press and Blade counters and then hits a power slam. Then he tags in Butcher who almost beheads Pac and then we see some frequent tags from Butcher and the Blade. We see Blade then hit the Doctor Bomb but Phoenix breaks up the pin. Phoenix then hits the blind tag. He takes out Blade while Pac fights on the outside. Ray goes up to the top and while the referee is distracted Eddie Kingston knocks Ray Phoenix off the top. Then Butcher and the Blade hit the full death for the win. So we see Butcher and the Blade pick up the win over Death Triangle. I didn't think that was going to happen but it did. After that we see the family continue to attack after the match. Then Kingston gives Pac two DDTs on a chair. Then he goes for a third but Lance Archer comes out to make the save. Then Death Triangle finally gets back up and they brawl with the family till they retreat. So seeing Lance Archer make the save, I don't think he made the save on purpose, you know, just to save Death Triangle. I think he just still has some beef with Eddie Kingston. So now it's going to be Lance Archer and Death Triangle versus the family at some point. It's really good to see that they're utilizing Lance Archer again. I really miss seeing him in AEW. So I'm glad that now he's going to be in a feud. I'm sure with Eddie Kingston. So it's going to be a pretty exciting feud. So that ends AEW. AEW all around tonight was a really good show. I really wish that that women's title match wasn't so short. I feel like Anna Jay has more to give than what they showed tonight. So hopefully she gets another shot at AEW Women's Championship. And I want to see what storyline they go with with Cody Rhodes. Are they going to stick with the FTW storyline or are they going to go the Jade Cargill Shaq storyline way? Also, I'm excited for Kenny Omega and John Moxley next week. I cannot wait. It's going to be fantastic. Also, they're going to have a Dynamite Diamond Battle Royale. So we'll see MJF finally defend that Dynamite Diamond ring. Now we move on to the last show of the evening, which is Friday Night Smackdown. Smackdown this week kicked off with Jay Uso. He says everyone was talking about Taker's farewell, but they should have been talking about Roman and how he represented Smackdown. He says Drew beat everyone but Roman. Then he was trying to give a big introduction for Roman, but Roman's music hit. We see Roman acts for the mic and then says play it. Then a video of Jay at Survivor Series plays of Roman scolding him and then him intervening in his match with Drew McIntyre. Roman then goes on to tell Jay he told him to leave. He never asked for his help. Then he asks why Team SmackDown lost. They say they lost because they don't fear or respect Jay, which means they don't respect us. And if they don't respect us, who are we? He then says if he's not the head of the table, they must think he's some wannabe bitch in the locker room begging for Thanksgiving leftovers. He says if people look at him like that, what does Jay Uso look like to other people? What does he look like to his sons and to his families? He asks Jay, is that how he sees him? Because that's how he's making him feel with 
all his failures. Then he says he doesn't like how that feels. So that upsets Jay. Roman ends up walking out. Then Jay walks out. As Jay is walking up the ramp, Otis comes out for his match with Baron Corbin and Jay and him lock eyes. Otis proceeds down the ramp and Jay Uso out of nowhere blasts him with a steel chair, then continues to beat on him. Then we hear that the match between Otis and Baron Corbin is canceled because of the attack from Jay Uso. So clearly that conversation with Roman Reigns in the ring clearly sparked the, you know, just the fire under Jay Uso. Let him know, like, I need to make these people truly fear me. If that's how, what, what I need to do, then people need to fear me so that way they can fear my cousin, my blood, the head of the table, Roman Reigns. And I think that's what Jay's gonna do. Jay's gonna try to instill fear into everybody so that way they fear Roman Reigns. Now we move on to the first match of the evening, which is Robert Roode and Dolph Ziggler versus the Street Profits. We see Ziggler and Roode say they want to be the SmackDown Tag Team Champions. Then the Street Profits come on. They say they took the torch from the New Day, but the power of positivity is forever. Then Monte says, is that HBK in the ring? And he was referring to Dolph. He says he's dressed like him and has a dangerous super kick. Dawkins says, no, he's just a big fan. He's just Dolph Ziggler. I thought that was pretty funny because Dolph Ziggler is compared to Shawn Michaels all the time with his look, the attire, the tenacity he has, the selling. You know, Dolph Ziggler is the king of selling. So I thought that was a funny comparison. Now the match begins. We see frequent tags early for the Street Profits to hold control over Rude and Ziggler. Ziggler then takes out Dawkins. He then goes for a dive, but Dawkins ends up catching him with a right hand. Then he goes in the ring to tag in Montez. He attempts a frog splash early for a finish, but Rude distracts Montez long enough that when he goes for the splash onto Ziggler, it allows Ziggler to move, allowing Montez to crash into the mat. We see Ziggler and Rude in control when we're back from break. The end match was Montez tried to build some momentum, but Ziggler stops it. Then Ford counters Ziggler to then give Dawkins the hot tag. He then comes in and takes the fight to Rude and Ziggler. He gives Rude the anointment and then tags in Montez Ford to hit the frog splash. Then he goes for the pin, but Ziggler breaks it up. Then all men are in the ring. Ziggler ends up taking out Angelo Dawkins. Then Montez takes out Ziggler with an insiguri. But while he was distracted with Dolph Ziggler, he gets rolled up by Robert Roode for Roode and Ziggler to pick up the win. So this was a shocking victory seeing Robert Roode and Dolph Ziggler pin the tag team champions, which means there's probably a guaranteed tag team opportunity for Robert Roode and Dolph Ziggler. So we're going to see that match eventually down the line. It's really shocking that they made them lose. I guess they wanted just to set up a new feud for the Street Profits. Now we move on to a Daniel Bryan interview where he's asked what's his strategy for his match against Sammy. He says his strategy is acceptance. Then he says he had to accept Jay's devil and now he has to accept Sammy being delusional. He says Sammy will do anything to keep the IC title and he thinks everyone is out to get him. But all Daniel Bryan wants is the Intercontinental Championship. So that's what Daniel Bryan is pursuing, that Intercontinental Championship. He believes it should be defended every week and that's his goal for getting it. So if Daniel Bryan gets it, we'll see the Intercontinental Championship defended every week and I think I like the sound of that. I would like it defended every week. I want to see that title get more prestige than what it has at this very moment because there's some people who really have made that title prestigious just like The Miz, which is why he's the greatest Intercontinental Champion of all time. And that's just my opinion. You can say it's Razor Ramon. You can say it's Shawn Michaels. You can say whoever it's whoever you want. But to me, it's The Miz. We head to another interview. I know, two interviews in a row with the Mysterio family and Buddy Murphy. They're asked if they're glad that the Rollins chapter is over. Ray says that the last few months has been hell and there's no getting that time back. He says he's thankful for his family and Buddy realizing that Seth was a piece of garbage. Then Baron Corbin interrupts. He says he wished Ray Mysterio passed on some of that talent to his son. And he also says don't get comfortable with Buddy. He won't be around next Thanksgiving. He's just riding the Mysterio family coattails while its name still means something. My boy Baron Corbin holds no tongue when it comes 
comes to shooting or cutting a little promo he, he gets in there he's not the best at promos but he can throw some really good shots in us you're like damn baron Corbin, you don't have to go that far so him saying what he said to buddy murphy and ray mysterio was just like dang he's riding his coattails till his main means something you know what i'm saying you got to think of it like buddy murphy now has aligned himself with the mysterio family could that be the case is he riding the mysterio family coattails or his love for Aaliyah truly real obviously it's scripted it might not even be real at all but is the storyline real you know what i'm saying is the the story that buddy murphy trying to tell us legit or is he just trying to get ahead of the mysterio family so we'll just we'll just have to wait and see how this whole mysterio buddy murphy thing plays out now we move on to the next match of the evening which is Sami Zayn versus daniel bryan before the match starts we see sammy talk about why he hates thanksgiving and then says daniel bryan has been trying to get his intercontinental championship but he won't he says management gives daniel bryan everything he wants and that's unfair and then we hear daniel bryan come out now the match begins we see a technical start from daniel bryan which proves to be too much for Sami Zayn, who tries to regroup then once he's done regrouping daniel bryan still ends up taking the control we see sammy finally build some momentum and then he goes to the top and daniel bryan tries to intercept him but sammy fights him off then daniel bryan drop kicks him off the top rope and then to the outside he then goes up for a dive so he can drop onto sammy but when he does sammy moves and daniel bryan crashes into the barricade we seen when back from break sammy Zayn was in control daniel bryan finally builds some momentum then he gives sammy a hurricanrana from the top rope for a near fall then the fight spills to the apron where Zayn counters an arm wrench by raking the eyes of daniel bryan to shove him into the ring post then he delivers a brain buster on the apron daniel bryan almost got counted out and then as soon as he rolls in the ring sammy Zayn rushes to deliver a blue thunder bomb for a near fall daniel bryan late match turns an arm bar into a yes lock and sammy reaches the rope sammy retreats to the outside then he's met with a daniel bryan suicide dive then sammy Zayn's rolled back into the ring and he rolls out once again to receive another dive Zayn then runs to the back as soon as he gets up daniel bryan chases him when the referee counts to eight we see sammy sprint back to the ring to beat the count to win the match then they pan to the back and we're wondering what happened to daniel bryan and that's where we see that jay uso is beating up on daniel bryan then kevin owens stops the attack by throwing off jay uso so jay uso still has some problems with daniel bryan he's still trying to prove to everyone that they need to be afraid of him so that way they can be afraid of roman reigns and what better way than to do it is just to attack daniel bryan once again so now him and kevin owens have beef we hear kevin owens then say look over daniel bryan i'm gonna follow him exactly where he's going and then we see ko confront jay uso who's with roman reigns then he says he's tired of this family issue bs he says this isn't his personal playground he says you want to go on your little ego trip and sit at the head of your table that's fine but now you're getting in his head he says that roman reigns says family is important but he treats his like trash roman then tells jay how are you gonna let him say that how are you gonna let your kids hear that how am i gonna let my kids hear that and then he says ko has to be dealt with you have to put fear into him because he doesn't fear me now fix it so i'm sure tonight we will get ko versus jay uso now we move on to the next match of the night which is natalia versus bianca Belair. we see bailey comes out to be on commentary before this match even starts then it was a quick start for Belair. then it gets shut down when natalia counters a shoulder charge forcing Belair into the ring post to take control late match we see bianca Belair build up some momentum then sends natalia to the outside where she gets distracted by bailey then natalia tries to attack belair from behind but belair dodges natalia almost hits bailey then belair gives bailey a right hand when she's behind natalia end match was natalia rolls belair in the ring and tries to put her in a sharpshooter but belair ends up pushing her into the ropes which knocks off bailey who was trying to get in the ring then she rolls up 
Natalia for the win. So I'm sensing we're going to have a Bianca Belair Bailey rivalry incoming. These two women right now are not getting along at all. Bailey swears she was the captain at Survivor Series, and Belair disagrees. Belair knows she's better than Bailey, and Bailey thinks she's better than her. So I'm sure these two women are going to collide, and it's going to be a really great feud because both of these women are really entertaining when it comes to these type of things. So be be prepared to watch Bailey versus Bianca Belair uh, for for a while. I don't think it's going to end quickly. I'm sure it's going to last a while. Then we move on to the next match, which is Murphy versus Baron Corbin. We've seen a quick start from both men. Corbin then takes control until Dominic gets on the apron, distracting Corbin, allowing Buddy to take control, which doesn't last that long. Then Ray gets up on the apron to do the same thing, and then Buddy rolls him up for a near fall. We see Murphy can't capitalize, and then Corbin heads to the outside, and Aaliyah steps in his path. Then Buddy's able to get control. He then sends Corbin into the steel steps. Murphy then goes up to the top and tries to jump off, but Corbin ends up dodging and then hits him with a deep six. Then Ray gets in the ring, stopping a pin attempt, and then Corbin lays some shots in on Murphy until Dominic gets up on the apron. So, so far, we've seen the Mysterio family get involved in this match not once, not twice, but multiple times, and they're just costing Baron Corbin this match at this very moment. The end match was we see Baron Corbin go for a move, and Dominic trips up Corbin. Then Buddy hits a knee and goes for the pin. Corbin then gets his leg onto the rope, but Dominic pushes it off, allowing Buddy to get the win. After the match, Corbin is upset. He grabs the mic and says it's outrageous. It wasn't one-on-one. -on -one, it was four-on-one. Then he says Mysterio family are a bunch of cowards. He says he demands a rematch next week with Buddy Murphy and this time he'll be prepared. So will Corbin have some backup next week in his match against Buddy Murphy? I'm curious to see who his backup will be. If there, if you guys have any ideas, let me know because at this point I'm kind of confused. Who can Baron Corbin have in his corner to back up against the Mysterio family? Like I'm really sitting here and running through this. Like who can Baron Corbin recruit to help him? You got Ziggler and Rude who's occupied right now. Who's on SmackDown that's really going to help him? Or maybe, maybe it could be the Forgotten Sons. Don't forget about them. They haven't been on SmackDown in such a long time that maybe they'll come back and they'll help out Baron Corbin. So keep that in mind. Now we head backstage where we see Apollo and Big E joking around and Sammy comes and says, you guys are in the way. I have an interview. Then he pushes Apollo's buttons and Big E calms him down. He then says that Zayn's reign is a house of cards that will come down with a single flick. Then Sammy says E should be applauding him and then he claps. Then Sammy and Big E shake hands and E squeezes his hands for 10 seconds and he says, wow, Sammy, you did last 10 seconds. And then Kayla Braxton asks is the interview still happening to Sammy Zayn and he just yells no and she's like, uh, okay. So, you know, now we feel like Big E and Sammy Zayn are going to have themselves a feud for their Intercontinental Championship. I thought it would be Daniel Bryan, but they might give E a big push. They might give him the push that he truly needs after splitting up with the New Day. Then we head back to the ring and we see Billy Kish trying to take over commentary and then Michael Cole's just like, cut, cut, get out of here. And then we move forward to a Carmella segment. She says how embarrassing that your SmackDown Women's Champion falls so easy. She says she used to be like Sasha catering for the fans and she lost herself. Now she does what she wants and people jump for her. Then she snaps her fingers and nobody answers. And then she snaps it again and a wine glass pops up and there's a ring on the finger that says boss and we see Sasha Banks attack until the officials break it up. So we see Sasha Banks finally got her hands on Carmella after attacking her three weeks in a row from behind. And then Sasha says, next time you want to fight, meet me in the ring like a real woman. So we're finally going to see these two go face to face. I'm pretty sure it's going to happen next week where they officially go face to face. And that's when Sasha's going to be like, I know what you want. You want that SmackDown Women's Championship? You got it. Let's fight for it. So I'm pretty sure that's going to happen. Now we head to the main event, which is Jay Uso versus Kevin Owens. We've seen a quick start from both men, but KO gets the best of Jay early.
early. Jay then tries to regroup to the outside, but KO follows to continue with attack. We then see Jay reverses KO's Irish whip, sending him into the steel steps to take control. Kevin Owens finally builds some momentum until Jay drives him into the ring post. He then tries a suicide dive and KO catches him. Then he sends him into the ring post and then delivers two super kicks. While we come back from the break, he does a sauntaun off the apron. Jay then counters KO, then begins to attack the arm. KO counters Jay's hip attack to build some momentum. Then he goes for that pop-up powerbomb, but the arm gave out. Then he eats a super kick. Jay then goes up to the top rope. KO rushes up there, but Jay headbutts his arm, knocking him off. He then goes for the Uso splash, but KO gets the knees up, and then he hits an Ushigoroshi. The end match was Jay attacks KO with a chair to get this qualified, and Roman's watching in the back. He's smirking. Jay then clears the announce table. He goes in the ring and then receives a stunner. Then Owens attacks Jay with a chair, and then he taunts Roman while beating Jay Uso with a chair. Then he says he doesn't fear Roman. KO says, Roman, come find me. I'm the head of this table. Then stunners Jay again. He then sits at the head of the announce table and says, where are you? I'll be waiting. And Roman is in the back furious. He looks upset. Paul Heyman looks worried. So ladies and gentlemen, we have a new feud set up between Kevin Owens and Roman Reigns. And I really like this idea. I really love that these two are about to go head to head. And KO's like, yo, Roman, I'm not afraid of you. Just because you're the head of the table for your family don't mean you run things over here. I'm in charge over here. So this is going to be a really interesting rivalry. And I can't wait to see how it pans out over the few weeks. So that ends SmackDown. SmackDown was really interesting and good this week. We've seen the Street Profits take a loss from Ziggler and Rude. So just know they have some tag team opportunities coming their way. Also, Sasha Banks finally got her hands on Carmella. No surprise attack from Carmella this week. Sasha Banks finally got even. I know next week these two are going to go face to face. And clearly I already explained how it's going to happen. But for those of you who didn't listen, they're going to have themselves a little discussion. Then Sasha Banks is going to throw her SmackDown Women's Championship on the line for Carmella. Also, I really want to see where this Roman Kevin Owens thing goes. And what's next for Jay Uso? Is Jimmy going to come back and play a part? Is Jay going to do something else? Is he going to continue to try to instill fear in everyone else? We have to wait and see where that goes. So that ends all of our wrestling for this week. And I think it was a pretty good week for wrestling. On Raw, we have ourselves a triple threat match coming up to see who faces Drew McIntyre for the WWE Championship. We also have the Cedric Alexander storyline right now. You know, him not feeling Shelton Benjamin because he cost on that tag team match. We also still have Randy Orton and The Fiend going around, lurking around. So Raw right now has some pretty good buildup. On NXT, they're building up for War Games and War Games is looking spectacular. Team Undisputed Era versus Team Kings of NXT. Shotzi Blackheart versus Team Candice. Like, we have some really good stuff at War Games. I'm really excited. It was a great buildup. On NXT UK, we had Jordan Devlin defend and retain that Cruiserweight Championship. I love the direction they're going. I hope he keeps defending it every week because that just brings more prestigiousness to the title. Also, next week will be Mark Andrews and Flash Morgan Webster versus The Hunt. I think that's going to be a really good match. Also, what's going to happen to Walter the UK Championship or Kaylee Ray in the NXT Women's UK Championship? I really want to see where that goes. AW Dynamite, we had, a, you know, just a tease of Adam Page joining the Dark Order. We have a lot going on on AW Dynamite, if you want me to be honest. We got FTW feuding with Cody Rhodes. We got Lance Archer out here feuding with Eddie Kingston and the family. We have truly a lot going on. We also have that big main event for next week. John Moxley versus Kenny Omega for the AEW World Championship. And I truly want Kenny Omega to win it. I think it's his time to finally win that title. Also, I really want to see Darby Allen back. You know, ever since he's won that TNT Championship, we really haven't seen him. So I hope he comes back next week. Friday Night SmackDown was really good as well. You know, they had some really good matches, some really good feuds. 
episodes. I can't wait for Roman and Kevin Owens. I think that's going to be a real banger. Also, I really want to see Carmella and Sasha Banks. I think both these women can put on a really fantastic match. You know, I have a question regarding SmackDown. Where is Aleister Black? Whatever happened to Aleister Black? Because Selena got, you know, fired. She got let go. Does that mean Aleister Black left with her? Hopefully he comes back really soon because he was a hell of a wrestler. I really liked him. So hopefully he comes back. Well, this ends this week's episode of Wrestling from the Crowd. If you want to contact me, you can reach me on Twitter at Wrestling From or on Facebook at Ray Colazzo. Again, I want to say thank you to those who listen, to those who support me. Share me out there. Get me out there to other podcasts. Get me out there to other people who love wrestling as much as I do. Share all the stuff that I have here with everyone else, and I would be truly appreciated. So, guys, this has been Ray. This is Wrestling From the Crowd. Good morning, good evening, good night, wherever you are. Thanks for listening.